0: Galnet News Digest, 14th of March 3309. We read the news so you don't have to. In this week's news, we look at the energy surge at the heart of the Thargoid maelstroms. But before that, we consider President Hudson's future, we get ourselves some caustic sink launchers, and we visit the Indra before it leaves Ceres Tarn to fight the Thargoid invasion.
1: President Hudson wants to break with centuries of federal tradition by standing to become the president for a second term. But he'll only be able to do it if Congress votes in his favour next week. Federal presidents have an eight-year term of office, with a vote of no confidence after the first four years. No president has ever served for more than eight years, and there is concern that if Hudson is allowed to set aside the 700-year-old 77th Amendment, it might pave the way for future dictators. Hudson came to power following the sabotage of Starship One and the temporary loss of the then-liberal president Jasmina Halsey in May 3301. Hudson won a vote of no confidence against Acting President Felicia Winters and was sworn into office on the 2nd of June 3301. His eight-year term is up in just ten weeks, and the decision whether to let him stand is likely to have a far-reaching impact on the future of the galaxy, and not just because of his policies. None of the superpowers have seen a change of leadership since 3301 a year in which first Hudson came to power and then Emperor Arissa assumed power following the abrupt death of Emperor Hengist in October that year. If re-elected, Hudson will be president until 3317, and the other leaders seem likely to be equally long in office. In June 3307, Alliance Prime Minister Edmund Mahan was elected for a second six-year term, the first Prime Minister ever to be re-elected. So... It'll be another four years before he's at risk again. Emperor Erissa is good to remain emperor indefinitely, as long as she can avoid a knife between the shoulder blades from impatient relatives. It's perhaps worth remembering that the Imperial Eagle was released in 3301 as a memorial to the recently deceased Emperor Hengist, a memorial to what is still the most recent change of power. It's been that long. If President Hudson loses the vote, or if he loses the presidency to either Shadow President Winters or to outsider Zachary Rackham, it will be the first time any of the power play leaders will have suffered such a setback. For that reason, the betting must firmly be in favour of Hudson winning next week's vote and remaining president, effectively, forever.
0: The place to see and be seen these days is inside the Thargoid Maelstroms. There are indeed wonders to behold, and there is the prospect that something even more spectacular may appear in the middle around about the end of April. But the price of entry is high. You really can't get by without at least one, preferably three or four, caustic sink launchers. These little wonders suck up all the green goopy nastiness emitted by the caustic generators, and let you spit it out when they're full. Once you've unlocked caustic launchers, you'll never need to worry again about burning off toxic corrosion using silent running or using limpets. The caustic sink launcher is a modern miracle, a massive step forwards in the arms race against the Thargoids. To get one, you need two types of material, caustic shards and corrosive mechanisms, which you can only get by scooping them up inside the maelstroms, typically from the very caustic generators you're trying to protect yourself from. You also need five caustic tissue samples, which you get by using a xenoscanner and research limpets on the caustic generators. You need to wait an uncomfortably long time for the research limpet to do its thing to get even one of these samples, which is not a problem if you already have a caustic sink launcher to keep you safe. The answer to this conundrum is to find a fleet carrier that's selling caustic tissue samples. You can then take them to the nearest megaship and use them to unlock those sweet, sweet caustic launchers. Then you take a quick trip to visit Ramtar and get the ammo clip size increased from four to seven. With four of these things fitted to your ship, you can easily spend an hour or more in the maelstrom, in relative safety, as long as you dodge the caustic generators and the rather preoccupied Thargoid interceptors, which will probably only notice you if you bump into them. But what is at the heart of the maelstrom? Stay tuned.
1: Imperial megaship Indra, launched in July 3303 by Zamina Torval, and which was originally a display of Imperial might in the Pleiades, but which was long ago taken over by the Anti-Zeno Initiative, is to move back towards the bubble. The Indra, a Wells-class carrier, has been a familiar sight to visitors to the HIP 1185 system, nestled in the rings of planet A4, which has a surprisingly high gravity the megaship has watched over the shipyard of Ciri's Tarn far below. Back when Thargoids played by the rules, the Indra was an excellent stop-off point for those doing a little anti-Zeno combat. Now, however, the current owners of the Indra think it will be more useful back in the bubble, rather closer to its namesake, Maelstrom Indra. Assuming its hyperdrives spool up after nearly six years of inactivity, the Indra will be moving to HIP 28128, a system close to the Thargoid invasion, and containing one of the relatively few Ammonia worlds that doesn't yet have a nearby maelstrom. AXI plans to make this their centre of operations as they fight alongside other members of the Defence Council of Humanity to repel the Thargoids. They admit the war is not going well for humanity. But there is some hope that the balance of power may subtly change on Thursday this week. In related news, the Aegis and Universal Cartographics initiative to discover and map ammonia worlds is nearing its conclusion. The initiative seems likely to result in two further weeks during which all cartographic discoveries will attract three times their normal reward. Aegis has explained that it fears that more maelstroms may soon attack the human core systems and that it needs to understand better the relationship between maelstroms and the ammonia worlds they invariably orbit. Perhaps Sirius' atmospheric plan to terraform ammonia worlds wasn't quite as daft as it originally sounded.
0: So what is there at the heart of the Maelstrom? If you haven't already visited and you want to experience it for yourself, you may want to stop watching now. The outside part of the Maelstrom is rather uninspiring with a muddy, brownish-green fog full of caustic generators that squirt out green nastiness. There are also occasional Thargoids wandering around and checking on the consistency of the caustic fog. But as you get towards the centre, you begin to see a dull, red, crackling cloud. This core seems to charge up the closer you get, with dozens of lightning bolts fizzing over the surface. It gradually gets paler with a whiteness showing behind the red clouds and strange shifting shadows. And then, very suddenly, an enormous energy pulse races out at incredible speed and your ship's carried away far faster than any interceptors or Thorgon swarm. The tidal wave of energy, fun though it is, is the next hurdle we need to surmount if we're going to get to the heart of the Maelstrom and to finally uncover its secret. Will we need unclassified relics to build an energy tidal wave neutralizer, Or do we need to develop stealth technology so we can sneak past this rather impressive burglar alarm? It's probably something Ramtar, Ishmael Palin and Aegis will sort out although there's an outside chance that Azimuth Biotech will attempt something useful, or that the currently absent one-time test subject Xiao Jin Ai will rock up with a means of mind-controlling the Thargoid defences. If you want to be ready for that new technological advance, whatever it is, you'd better find some time to sort out those caustic launchers. after all.